Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Today, the NFL draft, it has concluded finally after three fun days. And of course, with that gone, what are we going to do? We're going to break it down. We're going to discuss uh, our thoughts on the NFL draft. And when I say us, I mean friend of the podcast, Jackson Powers, who's going to join us. We're breaking it up into NFC and AFC because there's a lot to cover. Today, we're doing the NFC. Uh, Jackson, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm it's good to I'm hear. Doing awesome. I'm ready to talk some football. I know that. I am too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so I'm trying to think. I mean, let's just get right into it. So we're doing right, NFC, like do I it. said. Uh, start. Let's start with the NFC East. Let's start with the Cowboys draft. And I can go over just so everyone knows who they took in their entirety before we discuss each and every one of them. They took Micah Parsons in the first round, linebacker from Penn State. Kelvin Joseph, cornerback from Kentucky. Osa Odigazua, defensive lineman from UCLA. Chauncey Golston, edge from Iowa. Nishan Wright, cornerback from Oregon State. Jabril Cox, linebacker from LSU. Josh Ball, offensive tackle from Marshall. Simi Fahoko, wide receiver, Stanford. Quentin Bohana, defensive lineman from Kentucky. Israel Mukwamu, cornerback from South Carolina. And Matt Farniak, offensive lineman from Nebraska. Take it away, Jackson. All right. So uh, with Dallas, I I liked their Micah Parsons pick. I didn't hate it. However, I think they really had a hole at cornerback, and that pick didn't really fill it. Uh, they still went and got players like like Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. You said in round two, and Nation Wright in round three, along with Israel Mukuamu in round six, but. I truly think cornerback was a first round problem for them. And so I graded them at a B minus just because I I think the players they got were solid. I just, I think they really avoided some problems. And I think had they gotten players at this, at this skill level in different positions and at different holes, uh, they would be graded higher, but uh, nothing too great, but nothing Nothing terrible, so I'm going to leave him at a B minus. Yeah, so for me, when you look at the Cowboys, linebacker, you said it wasn't their biggest need, but the way I look at it, they kind of got a tough deal in the top. I I was all on – I thought Patrick Sertan was like a lock there at 10. You saw J.C. Horn first cornerback off the board, and then Patrick Sertan at 9. That kind of put him in a tough spot. Uh, I like their trade down to 12, get some value. Like we said, linebacker wasn't their biggest need. But there's talent there. The defense needs it, really, really needs it. And Micah Parsons is a guy that can do that. Cornerback Kelvin, Kelvin Joseph, that's a spot they needed more cornerback. He's He's been regarded as a first-round talent kind of guy, but he has character issues that many teams just crossed him off their boards entirely. Nishan Wright, uh, I like him because he's the brother of Ray Jean Wright, who was on last chance use season five at Laney. So I definitely was a fan of him. But was he worth, you know, he was the 99th pick. Was he worth a top 100 selection? I'm not so sure. 
Then, of course, they followed that up about 15 picks later with, I think, one of the best value picks in the draft in linebacker Jabril Cox. Uh, he balled out at North Dakota State, transferred to LSU, kept playing well. That's one of those spots where, like we said, linebacker wasn't their biggest need, and they took Parsons, but that value for a guy like Jabril Cox is worth it. And then from there, I think the wide receiver room in Dallas pretty crowded, but I, I like the flyer in Sami Fajoko. He's 6'4", with some speed. All in all, I think they had the right intentions of focusing on the defense in this draft, but they got a slew of guys with character concerns. There's Micah Parsons. I don't, we don't know the validity to some of the stuff with Parsons. Then you have Calvin Joseph, uh, offensive tackle, Josh ball that they took from Marshall. He has his own character issues. Then you mix in like a reach, like Nash on, right. It's just, it's a very mixed bag. I think, you know, you could maybe grade it out at a B, but I'm with you and putting it at a B minus. I think it could end up blossoming into a B, which is going to be interesting to see. And Kelvin Joseph is really the X factor as well as maybe if Israel Mukwamu, you know, goes through, how are the cornerbacks going to play? So if the cornerbacks are able to play well this year, you know, I'm not sure if they're able to play well, then it won't matter that they took, you know, these linebackers and took some chances on guys with character concerns. We'll just, it'll depend on how the cornerbacks play. So B minus for me. Then next we have the New York Giants, who their picks that Kadarius Tony at number 20, wide receiver, Aziz Ojolari, Edge from Georgia, Aaron Robinson, cornerback from UCF, Edge Ellerson Smith, running back uh, Gary Brightwell from the University of Arizona, and cornerback Rodarius Williams. Um, I had the Giants having the worst draft in their division coming into the C plus. I think their first round pick Kadarius Tony was definitely a reach, especially after grabbing Kenny Galladay in free agency. I just don't think that pick was very valid and they had much bigger holes than wide receiver. In my opinion, I do like the Azizo Julari pick the edge from Georgia. I think he was kind of a steal. And in my opinion, he had first round talent, not necessarily guaranteed first rounder, but I think he had, he was that, a caliber of a player who could go in the first round. So that's definitely the highlight of their draft. Um, all in all, it just was not a very deep group of selections for New York this year. Um, just a lot, a lot left to be seen. Uh, we'll see how this draft plays out, but I'm going to keep them at a C plus for now. Yeah, I think, you know, there, uh, it was I don't know how Dave Gettleman still has an NFL general manager job. That's beyond me. I give him credit for finally doing some trading back. He moved back to 20. I like that. I like Kadarius Tony. I don't know if he was worth the 20th pick. He's a versatile weapon for Daniel Jones. But like you said, the addition of Kenny Galladay, does it make sense to move back to 20 overall? I, I don't know. I don't know if it made sense to go to 20 and then take a wide receiver there. But then I love the Aziz Ojolari pick. I talked about it in the pre-draft podcast. He's a guy I had him going to, I believe, Baltimore at the end of the first round. I think he can be one of the best player defensive players in this draft period. I think he could be a legit defensive rookie of the year candidate. So at 50, I think that was one of the biggest deals of the draft. I really think that elevates, you know, the, the grade for this team. Robinson, another nice addition, could fill inside outside. Day three picks, like they left a little bit to be desired. I don't know. I honestly do not know a ton about Ellerson Smith or Darius Williams. Gary Brightwell, running back from Arizona, he's like, eh, doesn't, you know, it's one of those things, doesn't really move the needle. 
I think I definitely could bump this down, but I just I love Aziz Ojolari to the point where I'm willing I'm gonna give the Giants a B almost entirely based on that pick because I think Tony's good. Was he worth the twentieth pick? Maybe not, but I think he'll be useful. Ojolari I think is gonna be great. I think Robinson's gonna find a role. Day three guys, eh? But I'll, I'm I'm giving the Giants a flat B. And then next in this division we got the Philadelphia Eagles. Their selections, they had Devonta, or rather Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. Landon Dickerson, offensive guard from Alabama, or center. Milton Williams, defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech. Zach McPherson, cornerback from Texas Tech. Kenneth Gainwell, running back from Memphis. Marlon Tuipulatu, defensive tackle from USC. Taron Jackson, defensive end from Coastal Carolina. Jacoby Stevens, linebacker from LSU, and Patrick Johnson, linebacker from Tulane. So coming into this, I couldn't decide whether to give. I was right on the edge with the Eagles, giving them either a very high B plus or a low A minus. I think I'm going to go A minus here. I I really love their first two picks in both Heisman winner Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. I think they're pretty lucky that Devontae Smith had fallen to them at 10. I know a lot of people are really concerned about his size, but I think in college, he's been able to show that that has not been an issue for him. And in my opinion, there's not a lot of reason to believe that that's supposedly going to be an issue now transferring into the NFL. Uh, Landon Dickerson, like I said, was the other guy I like. He's listed as an offensive guard, but from what I've seen, he can really play anywhere on the line. Uh, He's coming off uh, an ACL injury, but He's still a pretty dominant offensive lineman who, in my opinion, had first-round talent, but the injury kind of sent him back into day two. So assuming he's able to come back and fully recover, that should be a great pick for Philadelphia. And one of their main steals came in seventh-rounder Patrick Johnson, in my opinion. So all in all, I'm really liking the Eagles draft. I had them as the best draft in their division, but – I guess we'll see how well some of these picks pay off because a lot of these were pretty risky. Like we said, a lot of people were concerned about Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. I'm personally not concerned about them, but, you know, I could be wrong. These guys might not have what it takes, but I guess only time will tell. I'm going to keep them in at A- for now. Time will tell indeed. That's the thing about all of these grades is it's not – that's what I feel like I try to find a middle ground. Like I'm not trying to give anyone an A plus or an, or an F in the sense that you can't really grade a draft class. I think until maybe, you know, I think three years down the lines when you can really see where guys are taking shape, obviously you can have these preliminary looks, but there, you know, there's a reason that people like us, I mean, we're also, you know, teenagers, but in certain cases, there is reason to believe that uh, NFL executives can make moves that are good contrary to popular belief. So with that being said, I could talk for days about the first two picks and Devontae Smith and uh, Landon Dickerson. I'm an Alabama guy, obviously, for listening to this. You know that. The thing about Devontae Smith is I, I understand generally the concern about his size in the sense that you're looking at investing a first-round pick in this guy. You know, you, you're going to look at everything, and there are reasons to be, you know, interested about it. But the thing about him is he's been competing at 
an SEC level. It's not like he's a guy coming from D2 at this level where it's like, okay, he's just like faster than people. That's why he's getting by. No, he was competing against the best players in the country in the SEC, getting it done at this size. And he doesn't have any like injury history that could throw you off. So I, I love Devontae Smith. I think he's going to be a superstar. I'm, I wish I was wearing my Devontae Smith shirt right now. Then round two, Landon Dickerson, you can't say the same thing in terms of injuries. The thing about him is he, when he's healthy, he's been a very good player. And the thing that you're not going to, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't know about him, total high character guy. He was, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not in that locker room, but I think many Alabama players would probably say that he was the heart and soul of that team. He tore his ACL, right? He tore his ACL in, I don't remember if it was the SEC championship game or if it was the game before, but he, he came back. He wasn't going to actually play any legitimate snaps in the national championship. He just, he wasn't ready. You're not coming back from a torn ACL that fast. The guy warmed up with the team and they put him in for the final snap. And he was with his torn ACL. He was, I'm pretty sure the guy carrying Nick Saban around. That's just the kind of guy you're getting in the locker room on the field. You said it. He, uh, he played center at Alabama. He can play really any of those spots, likely in the interior. If he's healthy, he's going to be worth that pick. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. So I, I did take a considerable amount of time on two picks. From there, uh, you look at Milton Williams, uh, Zach McPherson. They're not sexy picks. They could be contributors. Big fan of Kenny Gainwell, I think. You know, he's versatile as a pass catcher and a playmaker with a ball in his hands. They got him. Fifth round at pick 150, I think that's crazy good value, you know, just regardless of position, need that kind of thing. I'm big on Kenny Gainwell. I think that can be – that can pay off in spades. Then you have guys like Marlon uh, Tui Peloto as well as Taron Jackson. Both of those guys, they've been productive. Uh, Tui Peloto at USC and then Jackson at Coastal Carolina. Same thing, Patrick Johnson, all the guy did was produce at Tulane. Uh, you know, Jacoby Stevens, not nothing too exciting. Six round pick number 224. I think the Eagles did a very good job adding playmakers, finding good value in this draft. I will say, you know, the cornerback position going forward still might not be perfectly where they like it, but this is a roster that they're not, they're not, they weren't necessarily one player away from going back to that Super Bowl. And I think they did a really good job of adding talent to build upon and really see what they have at the quarterback position from here. So I have them at, at an A minus. And then we have the football team to round out this division, Washington. They selected uh, Jamin Davis, linebacker, Kentucky, Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle from Texas, Benjamin St. Just, cornerback from Minnesota, Deami Brown, wide receiver, North Carolina, John Bates, tight end, Boise State, uh, Derek Forrest, safety from Cincinnati, Cameron Cheeseman, long snapper from Michigan. William Bradley King, defensive end from Baylor. Shaka Tony, defensive end from Penn State. And Dax Milne, wide receiver from BYU. Um, looking at their first round pick, Jamin Davis, definitely a reach. It's not a pick I'm terribly mad at, though, because he pretty clearly fits with the defense. I think there were absolutely better linebackers on the board at the time who ended up falling. Guys such as JOK and Zaven Davis and all, or Zaven, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who fell, Zaven Collins, the guy who fell to the Cardinals. So I, I think 
it, like I said, it's not a pick I'm terribly mad at because it's it's obviously more of a scheme pick. Although it's definitely not a not their highlight pick of the draft. Um, tackle Samuel Cosme from Texas is I, I'm a big fan of that pick, and I think it's a great way to fill their only real hole in their offensive line, which is left tackle. Um, so I I'm a, I'm I really like that pick. Uh, and then as you touched on, wide receiver Diami Brown. Uh, draft in the third round from North Carolina. He's a fantastic route runner, definitely one of the better route runners in this class. And I think he should hop into that receiving core well, uh, giving some, uh, taking some defense off of both Terry McLaurin and new addition Curtis Samuel. So uh, I'm a big fan of that pick. I have Washington at a B, B plus, close to an A, but Jamin Davis threw me off. And I'm also not a big fan that they drafted a long snapper, but. I mean, they could they could prove me wrong on that. He could be a pretty fantastic long snapper. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you before I get into my analysis. Uh, you're obviously a Boise State guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, well, what's what's the lowdown on John Bates? Because I don't know. He's he's great. He is he's the full package at tight end. He, I think he has the biggest chance out of Boise State's draft class this year to turn into a superstar. There's always a few guys. Boise State's obviously not one of those upper tier schools, but every year there's like a few guys who get drafted and typically like it's pretty rare that one of them turns into a superstar. You know, we have guys like Demarcus Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence and Leighton Vander Esch who have paid off pretty well, but it's not very often that Boise State players just blossom into superstars in the NFL. This is, this is a guy who I think is a pretty good shot at doing that he was a great receiving tight end um not bad off the block either I think he should fit really well with Washington I I think that's a pick that Washington fans should be really excited with and I'm not just I'm not just saying this is Boise State bias I he's been one of our top guys for a while now so that's what I knew I needed your insight on these on these couple of Boise State guys so for Washington, I think they re- they definitely reached a little bit on Jamin Davis. I, I honestly could echo just entirely what you said. I did hint at the idea that he could be a first-rounder on the pre-draft pro- podcast. He has the raw skills to be a force on their defense. He just ha- hasn't quite uh, had the reps, uh, has, like, the uh, experience to necessarily be a bona fide first-round guy, but he was, and I think he'll have success. Cosme, he showed flashes of being a starter in the pros of Texas, and he fills the need at 51. St. Juiced, he's a lanky, athletic guy. He just needs to stay healthy. Then you got Diami Brown at 82. I think that was one of the better just picks in this draft. He was a home run hitter at UNC, and I think he really complements McLaurin and Samuel very well. Then you look, I mean, Cameron Cheeseman, it's a cool name. I don't know how I feel about a long snapper in round six, but, you know, I – yeah, I don't, I don't know how much I could really say about a long snapper in the sixth round. Uh, at the end, I think they, you know, I like them taking flyers on William Bradley King and uh, Shaka Tony. Bradley King has a big frame. And then Shaka Tony, athletic guy, uh, you know, had had some tout out of out of and going into Penn State. I like those kind of flyers. Dex Milne, I kind of expected him to be a New York Jet. I thought, I thought the Jets would try to target him towards the end to reunite him with Zach Wilson. You know, not much there. I think, you know, it was was a solid draft. It definitely wasn't a sexy draft, but I have Washington football team at a B. Uh, I think Jamin Davis could definitely develop into a super 
good player. I think Nemo Cosme can find himself a role. I think there are a lot of guys that can have some success, so I, I, I like them out of B. And then that is that's it for the NFC East, if I'm correct. Then we got the NFC North, starting it off with the Chicago Bears, who they selected just quarterback Justin Fields, Ohio State, offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, offensive tackle Larry Borum from Missouri, running back Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, wide receiver Daz Newsom from North Carolina, cornerback Thomas Graham Jr. from Oregon, and de- defensive tackle Kyrus Tonga from BYU. So I could go on and on about this Fields pick, but I think this might be the best move in the draft to trade up nine spots to 11 and pick who, in my opinion, was the second best quarterback in this draft. I know you might disagree with me as a Jets fan looking at Zach Wilson, but I think, I think Fields was better. Uh, the Bears were one of the teams this offseason that was really looming over the Russell Wilson rumors. And I think they did a great job to go out and get the most Russell Wilson-esque player in this draft. So I, I'm a big fan of this move. When I saw the cost of the, the move, I, I didn't think it was great unless they picked Fields, which they did. So uh, I'm as a big fan of Fields, I really like this pick. Uh, they also helped solidify their line in – Tevin Jenkins, uh, a position they really need, especially with a new coming quarterback. Uh, they got a steal in the sixth round in quarterback Thomas Graham. He's a guy I'm pretty high on. Uh, I'm giving the Bears an A. The only reason it's not an A plus is because they had two picks in the first four rounds, which obviously is not enough. You can't have one day two pick and really succeed there. So. Uh, Bears had a great draft class all in all. Not a lot of holes that I'm seeing out of this this group of rookies. So uh, I'm I'm confident with this A grade. Yeah, so for me, I mean, definitely we could have a whole argument about who is quarterback, you know, two, three, and four behind Trevor Lawrence. And that, that would be an episode in itself. Regardless of how you would rank those four, I mean, because if you're including Mike Jones in the top four, I don't, I got news for you. But the main thing is, look, the Bears, they're hungry for a quarterback. I think they have a pretty good roster around that quarterback spot. And Ryan Pace, he's, you know, he's drafting for his job, basically. He's been, I mean, they they were just have not lived up to expectations or what I think the organization would like these last couple of years. They move up to get Justin Fields. He's, he's a guy that will be like a number one overall pick in a normal year. That just speaks to how good this quarterback classes so they make that pick I think it's totally worth it because ultimately those trade-ups if he's their guy if they develop him right no one's going to remember that extra first round that they gave up or that second round or that kind of thing so I love the fields pick I think that's phenomenal then they get a first round quality offensive lineman and Tevin Jenkins to fall into their lap he can fill whatever spot on that Bears line they need then uh, to the sixth round, Khalil Herbert. I'm a I'm a big fan of him. I think he's you showed some bursts at Virginia Tech, filling as a special team. And obviously, you know, Tart Cohen, that running back room, been prone to injuries at times. I think he can fit in well. Daz Newsom, he was another guy playmaker at UNC. Uh, taken at sixth round, he could be another kind of guy. They got Darnell Mooney, and I believe the fifth round last year. 
could be that kind of guy to make an impact as a late round pick. Graham, he's not going to be a day one starter cornerback, but he's going to fill depth for the time being. And I think he can blossom into a starter. So all in all, this was, this was a great draft. Brian Pace was, you know, I said he was drafting for his job and I think uh, it has to get done on the field. And I think that is going to speak to Matt Nagy fighting for his job. But for all intents and purposes, this was a this was a great draft, and I'm giving the Bears an A. So then from there, sticking in the division, we got the Detroit Lions. They selected offensive tackle Panay Sewell, uh, defensive lineman Levi Onwuzurike, Onwuzurike, defensive tackle Lee McNeil, cornerback uh, Ifatu Melifanwu, wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, Linebacker Derek Barnes and running back Jamar Jefferson. So I think the Lions had a fantastic draft. I think Panay Swole falling to them at seven was a dream for Lions fans. I think um, in terms of situations for quarterbacks, I, I'd say the bottom two for a new quarterback going in there would be Jets and Lions. And I think Lions addressed this really well. And made themselves look like a competent drafting team, which we had, we haven't seen out of them in a very long time. Um, Panay Sewell was a guy I'm surprised even got past the top five, nevertheless seven. So I think them pulling the trigger on that was very smart. I think they got two really great interior rushers on day two in Levi, hope I'm pronouncing this right, on Wuzurike and Ali McNeil. And I, I really like the pick of Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's a steal in the, the third round, I believe. I, I think he definitely could have been early to mid second round talent. So I think them getting them, getting him where they got him is really great. And the Lions, they just, they added toughness to a defense who really needed it. Last year on defense, they gave up more yards after contact than the Buccaneers gave up in more rush yards after contact then the Buccaneers gave up total rush yards, which really said a lot about their tackling. And I think, I think out of anyone, they addressed their problems the best and they filled the holes that they really needed to fill. Got good scheme fits, great talent. Uh, I see nothing wrong with this Lions draft. I'm one of the only teams I'm giving them an A+. Plus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, so that uh, that rushing stat about their defense you just said that's that's ridiculous. That uh, mm -hmm. very Lions esque. You start off with their first round pick. I think it was just a no brainer at seven. Panay Sewell, he's a guy that going into the year uh, was regarded as kind of like he, he maybe he's the number one prospect and Trevor Lawrence is number two. That's just how good he was regarded at Oregon. So for them to get their franchise left tackle. Uh, at number seven, I think that's ridiculously great value. I think that's a no-brainer. He's there. You send it in the pick. Then you look at the day two. They really went after Mollers on the inside. They got uh, Anwuzurike. He's a guy that I feel like there was a quote where it was like he just loves to, like, push people and hit people, that kind of thing that kind of aligns with uh, head coach Dan Campbell's press conference where he's talking about biting off kneecaps. Then you got Ali McNeil. He's another mauler. He's going to establish the trenches. That's what their theme was to start off the draft, the trenches. Then you get into uh, day three. I love the Amon Ross St. Brown pick. He's not 
I don't know if there's anything that he does absolutely exceptionally, but I think he's as well-rounded of a receiver that you're going to find in the fourth round. I think they're really thin at wide receiver. St. Brown, he could quickly find himself as a top target. Then uh, closing it out, I want to mention Jamar Jefferson. I'm a, I'm a fan of his just from his time in the Pac-12. Not going to be a feature back, but he'll be a nice rotational back, has good vision, can catch the football. That's the kind of thing you really covet uh, for a secondary running back. And then just by all accounts, I think that was a very good draft for Brad Holmes. It is still uh, the Lions. It is still uh, Detroit sports teams. So obviously all of this is subject to all of them being awful. But for the time being, I'm going to give the Lions an A-. minus. I really think they did a very good job in their drafting. Then we got the Green Bay Packers, who I would say that the draft was probably secondary in the important things that were going on this weekend. They drafted uh, cornerback Eric Stokes from Georgia, offensive lineman Josh Myers from Ohio State, wide receiver Amari Rogers from Clemson, offensive lineman Royce Newman from Ole Miss, defensive lineman Tadero Slayton from Florida, cornerback Shamar Jean Charles from Appalachian State, offensive lineman Cole Van Lannan from Wisconsin, linebacker Isaiah McDuffie, Boston College, and then running back Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Uh as you said, this this was probably their secondary focus behind only these Aaron Rodgers rumors about him wanting out of the team completely, uh, them looming, and him possibly being traded during the draft, which obviously didn't happen, but um, definitely a scary moment for Packers fans. Uh, looking at their first two picks, I'm not a fan of these at all. Eric Stokes was second round talent at best. And I, I just, I think it was an absolute reach getting him. And I think Josh Myers was an even worse pick. He, he was picked when obviously center's not a terrible pick after losing Corey Lindsley, but he was picked when both Creed Humphrey and Quinn Miners were on the board. And those were probably the two interior linemen that I was highest on. And they, they decided to go with Josh Myers. I, I just, I can't support that decision. Their best pick, in my opinion, was Amari Rogers, the wide receiver from Clemson. Uh, I think he'll do a great job of taking some of the defense, defensive focus off of Devontae Adams. I think this draft kind of confirms that Aaron Rodgers is past this franchise. They've done, especially over the last couple of years, they have done a terrible job getting pieces for Aaron Rodgers to work around because obviously you know you've got you got the MVP and Aaron Rodgers in my opinion the best receiver in the league in Devontae Adams you got a top running back in Aaron Jones there's there's no reason for this team to have lost four NFC championships in a row this if as as unlikable in my opinion that Aaron Rodgers is I I think he has every right to be very frustrated with this team after this draft and the last draft. I, I'm giving the Packers a C minus. Just not obviously it's not a terrible grade, but not good enough, especially with the Aaron Rodgers rumors looming right now. They they've got to be better if they want to convince their guy to stay. Yeah, I mean this is another topic, Aaron Rodgers. We could we could take all down. I think ultimately is he being possibly a little bit of a diva maybe but also at the same time their inability to you know the front office to discuss 
their plans with their franchise first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback is just ridiculous because it's easy. It's not like uh, I, I don't, you know, obviously we don't know because it didn't happen, but I think that this is more about them just listening to him and getting his opinions. That doesn't mean that he's going, you know, like LeBron James general manager mode. He's not making all these moves, but it's just a matter of giving input. And I saw today, like one of the breaking points for Rogers was when he like praised wide receiver, Jake Kumaro, who, I mean, you, you know, he's a secondary receiver. He's not, he's not a top tier option, but he praised him. And then a couple of days later, they cut him without any notice to Aaron. You do stuff like that. You trade up and take his quarter, a quarterback replacement without giving any notice. Those things are going to, you know, deteriorate, deteriorate a relationship. But we're talking about the draft, which at number 29, they totally reached with Eric Stokes from Georgia. He, uh, excuse me, he has, he has that blazing speed, but he's super raw. And I, I really don't think he's going to be super successful early. He's not a plug and play guy. That's going to be a shutdown across from Jair. He's not a guy that's going to help elevate them instantly to, you know, pass the NFC championship game into a title. Then you got their second pick with Josh Myers. I think at face value, isn't that bad of a pick. And I think interior offensive line with Corey Lindsley departing, that was definitely a need. But you mentioned it. You hit the nail on the head. Creed Humphrey is there. Quinn Miners is there. Who Quinn Miners from the backyard. He's from Wisconsin, uh, small school. They're both available there. And you take Josh Myers over there. I don't. The, Josh Myers himself, I don't think, is an awful pick. Who he was taken over hurts the value of, or, or grade of that pick. Then you got Amari Rogers. I think he was probably their best pick of the day. Uh, stud from Clemson. He was the go-to guy for Aaron. I was about to say for Aaron Rodgers, for Trevor Lawrence. So I think if Aaron Rodgers were to depart, I think they should give him number 12 because that'd be really funny. Uh, won't happen. From there, I mean, Royce Newman, I feel like most people thought he was a, you know, he was a reach from the start, not a lot to be done there. At the back end, a guy that I kind of like, uh, I like Shamar Jean Charles, but I think he could actually establish a role early on. Kylan Hill, He's a dual, he's a dual threat kind of guy out of the backfield. He can catch it. Uh, he can run. I think he slipped partially due to, you know, some character concerns in total. The, you know, there's definitely some intrigue in this draft class, but it just doesn't stack up with the best of them. So I have met a C. Next, we have Minnesota Vikings, who they selected Christian Darisaw, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, Calamond, quarterback from Texas AM. Chaz Sherratt, linebacker, Wyatt Davis, guard, Patrick Jones, the second defensive end, Kene Nganwu, running back, uh, Cam Bynum, safety, Janarius Robinson, DE, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, wide receiver, Zach Davidson, tight end, and Jalen Twyman, defensive tackle. So I think one pick that I really like was Darisaw. Because not only was he one of the best O-linemen in this class, and probably one of the biggest steals in the first round too, they were able to trade back and still land him. They got draft capital while being able to get, like I said, one of the best offensive linemen in this class. So I'm a big fan of that pick. I am not a fan, however, of the Kellen Mond draft selection. I would I, – I don't think Kirk Cousins is bad enough to select a quarterback in the third round. I would have been more okay with this if this was like a day three project fixer-upper quarterback like Felipe Frank or someone like that. It's just 
the third round is not the place to make that happen. There's there's legitimate holes that they could have filled with this pick. And this was this was a very early third round pick too. This was not some late end, almost a day three pick. This was this was very close to being a day two pick. And I just don't think Kellen Mond was the smart pick there. Uh, linebacker Chaz Surratt is that's an interesting pick because he had just transferred from quarterback to linebacker. And obviously that's a tough transition to make because the positions are nothing alike. He, he played pretty well in college and I think there were more talented guys on the board, but he seemed to fit perfectly with Mike Zimmer's scheme. And so I, I really like, I think it was a pretty smart pick to go out and get Surratt just a couple to sum this draft up a couple of reaches keep the Vikings out of an A-level draft. There were some good picks and there were some bad picks, just some inconsistency uh, kept this draft at what I'm going to give them at a B. Yeah, so starting off this draft, I think that trade with the Jets, was it worked out very well for them. I had Darisaw Mock to the Chargers. They were able to move back uh, what, almost 10 spots and we're still able to get him at 23. That fills in instant need and you recoup some third rounders. You really hit on Kellen Mond. I just, I've never been one, not even just looking at the quarterback, whoever they are. I've never been one to understand taking a QB on day two. Cause they, you're just, you're not getting one of those top tier talents seemingly that, you know, a, a first round kind of guy that you expect can be starting early and has that kind of hype around him. And it's not day three where it's like really a project but you're not wasting like where you're probably going to find an easy starter. Day two is where I think largely championship teams are built. And you took a quarterback that's not going to play unless, you know, if Kirk Cousins gets hurt. But you said it. If uh, Kirk Cousins, he's not the best quarterback in the world, but he drafting Kellen Mond at 66 isn't what's going to be the answer. I saw a report that they were prepared to take Justin Fields if he fell to 14. That makes sense. Calamond at 66, I don't really get. Then you have a Cheshire, who I think uh, I, I liked a little bit of what he did, but he's also super raw. He's new to the linebacker position, like you said. He's also a 24-year-old, so I'm not in love with that pick. Then I think they bounce back, possible starter in Wyatt Davis, offensive guard. He, he probably could have been a first-rounder had he stayed healthy. Uh, and then next from there, they took uh, what you got, Patrick Jones and uh, Inwangwu, I believe that's how you say it. Those picks, like, I don't think they're awful, but there were guys like Ronnie Perkins and Kenneth Gainwell were on the board, who I think both I would take over uh, Jones and, and Kenny. So don't love that. Then you got Cam, Cam Bynum. He's a high-character guy. Tons of experience at Cal. Has the tools to carve out a role. Shout out Jacob Siegel. You're listening to this, obviously. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, kickoff return kind of guy, has upside, uh, did did a little bit of Iowa without, you know, phenomenal quarterback play. Jalen Twyman at 199, I like. I think there's good value to be had there uh, in the interior defensive lineman realm. I think this draft in the end, there's a lot of quantity. There's some quality, and time will tell on guys like Kellen Mond and uh, uh, Cheshire up. Sorry, blank. So in total, I think the Vikings, that Darisaw trade was really good. I like the Wyatt Davis ad. I think Cam Bynum was a good pick. I'm going to give them a B plus. 
give them a B plus. Then we move on to the NFC South, where we have the Atlanta Falcons, who selected tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida, safety Richie Grant from UCF, offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, cornerback Darren Hall from San Diego State, offensive lineman Drew Dahlman from Stanford, defensive lineman Taquan Graham from Texas, defensive end uh, Adetokumbo Ogundeji from Notre Dame, cornerback Avery Williams from Boise State, and wide receiver Frank Darby from Arizona State. So I'm a little bit torn on the Kyle Pitts selection. In my opinion, he was the best player in this draft, but I, I just think there were bigger holes to fill besides tight end. I was, I was a fan of Hayden Hurst last year, and I think they, they just declined his first-year option, obviously probably because Pitts is looking to be their guy, which I don't blame him. I, I think they could have – I think the right move for the Falcons here – would either have been to take a quarterback, one of the one of the upper tier, like Justin Fields or something was available, or trade back like a few spots and then pick something on the other side of the ball because that's where they really need help. But that being said, this this they're definitely going to make Kyle Pitts work in their offense. Like I said, best player in this draft in my opinion. You, you can't go wrong selecting a generational talent such as Kyle Pitts. Um, I really like the Richie Grant selection. PFF had him as their fourth best safety on the board. Getting him where they got him, I think is a great value pick. I also like the, the Jalen Mayfield pick. He should be the lead competitor to start in the, the left tackle hole for the Falcons. And one very underrated pick is... Uh, my, my guy from Boise State, Avery Williams, he's uh, obviously he's been he's been my favorite player from Boise State for a couple years now. He's, he's a very likable guy. I've met him a couple times and he's he's a great guy. He is a fantastic return specialist. He's won Mountain West return specialist of the year multiple times. And he plays that Swiss Army knife like role where he, he was not sure of which, which position he was going to enter in in the draft. That's, that's how good he is. He, he's a good – he can kind of lock down at quarterback, at cornerback at least at the Mountain West level. And good runner, good hands. He's, that's, in my opinion, one of the better picks in this draft, getting him in day three. I, just watching him play. Great, great pick for the Falcons. I have him in at a B plus just because the I really like the players they got, but there was some questionable moments for me. And I think borderline A, but not quite there. Yeah, so for me, I think Falcons opted not to grab a quarterback. They found that versatile monster in Kyle Pitts. I don't think you can go wrong with that. I was I originally was a proponent of them trading down. Didn't happen. And I think that ultimately boils down to the idea that it just it takes two to tango. You know, everyone you can talk about the idea of trading down, but that means that someone else has to want to move up. And I, I don't think you can fault a team for taking a generational tight end like Kyle Pitts is. Then you look at uh, Richie Grant, he showed out in the senior bowl, wasn't a bad pick, 
But the thing is, he was selected with Trayvon Morig still available, so I'm most suspect there. Jalen Mayfield, high upside to compete for a tackler guard spot. Then you look at the day three. I'm not going to act like I know a ton about a lot of these guys, but I do know Frank Darby from Arizona State. He was the only guy drafted from ASU this year. Uh, he definitely worth the sixth-round pick. Big play machine. Uh, great intensity. He's a guy that's going to go out there. He's you know He, he talks a, a mile a minute, going to bring that good morale to the locker room. I think they really could have used a, a running back on day three in one of their round five spots. This draft class, I think, it was okay. Uh, didn't didn't do anything crazy for me. I give it a B minus, which moves us to the Carolina Panthers, who they they had a lot of selections. They started off with J.C. Horn, cornerback from South Carolina, Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver from LSU, Brady Christensen, offensive tackle from BYU, Tommy Trimble, tight end from Notre Dame. Chuba Hubbard, running back from Oklahoma State. Davion Nixon, defensive tackle from Iowa. Keith Taylor, cornerback from Washington. Deontay Brown, offensive guard from Alabama. Shai Smith, wide receiver from South Carolina. Thomas Fletcher, long snapper from Alabama. Phil Hoskins, defensive tackle from Kentucky. So the Panthers at eight selected J.C. Horn, who was definitely a top two cornerback in this draft. Uh, some people have put him number one over Patrick Sertain. Uh, I'm not sure I'd go there. I think if they were going to take a quarterback, they should have gone Sertain. I don't think that he should have been the first defensive guy off the board, period. I think they, they should have gone best player available at defense. I like Micah Parsons more than I like J.C. Horn. I think that would have been the right pick for them, but we'll see how this plays out. Terrence Marshall, their second-round pick. The wide receiver from LSU, he has everything to be first-round talent, but um, in my opinion, what sent him to the second round was his medical history. Uh, if he's able to conquer this challenge, it could be a great selection by Carolina, especially with the wide receiver core they have now. They, they have – probably a top five to 10 receiving core in the league. And this would be a great addition to that receiving core. Other than these two guys, there were a lot of average selections that I found in late day two and day three. And because of this, I gave him a pretty average grade. I'm leaving him at a C plus for now. I guess we'll, we'll see how this pays off. I just, nothing out here really struck me as like the Panthers wowed me here. Just pretty, pretty average all in all draft. So this is, I think, the first one where you and I differ quite a bit. Um, I think, you know, there's some that question their decision to go cornerback on day one or if even Horn was the best cornerback available. But he's a physical monster. I think he's going to be a CB1 kind of guy soon enough. Day two, Terrace Marshall, assuming that those medicals check out, I think that's a slam dunk kind of pick at 59. Rule and Co. They're able to find a great value in BYU's offensive tackle, Brady Christensen, as well as Chuba Hubbard in round four. I think Hubbard, they let go of Mike Davis. I think Hubbard, if he's healthy, uh, he can be very good secondary back to Christian McCaffrey. Then you got uh, Davion Nixon. I think he was primarily expected to be a day two kind of guy. Carolina was able to get him in the fifth. Then they got Deontay Brown. He's mad, massive guy. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be 
starting immediately at guard, but he's the kind of guy that can carve out a role in the Carolina offensive line. There are just a number of picks here that, I mean, none of them are that sexy, but I think, you know, Tommy Trumple, good uh, blocking tight end, maybe third round is a little high there. Uh, Keith Taylor, I think that's a good option at cornerback in fifth round. Uh, Thomas Fletcher, I mean, long snapper from Alabama. The fact that he's from Alabama definitely gives him credit for me. I like their draft a lot. I think you could argue that they had one of the better drafts in all of football, in my opinion. So I have them at an A. And, you know, that's the duality. I think we've agreed on almost everything, basically. Yeah. A couple pluses and minus. I, I really like what they can do, especially if Terrace Marshall is healthy, because I think he's a guy that definitely could have been a late first rounder as opposed to a late second rounder. And I, I think this kind of clash between our two grades could make this a lot more interesting to see who's right and who's wrong. If we if we agreed on everything, I don't think anyone would really want, want to watch the Red Shirt podcast very much just because it, it would take a much more objective view of what the draft is looking like. And I think that we there definitely has to be some clash and subjectivity Definitely. That's the thing about some of the sometimes with some of these people I have on is I feel like a lot of us, we just agree with each other too much, which I think that speaks to us being similar. And that's why a lot of these people get along and I'm inviting them to go on the podcast. But it's definitely nice to have different perspectives, things dif- think differently. I know there were a couple things, I guess this I this was in the AFC, but like the Jamar Chase pick, you and I totally disagreed on that. And that's like cool to have different perspectives on things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just cool. But moving on, we got the New Orleans Saints. They took defensive end Peyton Turner, linebacker Pete Warner, cornerback Paulson Adebo, quarterback Ian Book, offensive tackle Landon Young, and wide receiver Kawan Baker. So this, in my opinion, was the worst draft in the NFC this year by a pretty good margin. They completely reached on both Peyton Turner and Pete Werner. They not very good value on either of those picks. They failed to address their big need at quarterback by drafting Stanford's Paulson Adebo, who is good. Don't get me wrong. He's a good player. He just fits their scheme so horribly. He's, he's a good zone cornerback and that's just not how Sean Payton leads his defense. So I, I think they really failed to address that hole. The, all in all, not a lot to brag about. And with the free agency they had, having to clear $100 million in cap, this has potential at being the worst offseason alt- of all time. I, I think the Saints are going to be one team to go from playoff and Super Bowl contender to missing the playoffs by a fairly good margin. This is the only sub-C grade I have in this entire episode, I'm giving the Saints a D plus, which I think was fairly generous considering this was a terrible, terrible draft that New Orleans showed here. Yeah, this one, we're kind of closer back to the same wavelength. They're they're beginning to have one of those reputations to be reaching on pass rushers, uh, taking Peyton Turner at 28. I don't think Turner is bad. I just don't think the value is there in the first round. I think he's a guy that if you get him second, third round, that's where he really makes an impact. Werner, I mean, he could be a starter at linebacker after a lot of experience at Ohio State. Cornerback, I'm a big fan of Paulson Didibo. I think he he could be one of the bigger steals of the draft. He opted out 2020. But like you said, it's kind of an interesting fit. 
which kind of marks them down for me like like an A plus plus kind of grade. Then from there, you take Ian Book and the fourth round. That's technically day three, but I think the fourth round is really should be grouped in with day two in the sense that that's where you can still find high level starters instead of taking a quarterback who Ian Book he's just not a pro quarterback. You have I understand Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill, neither of them might end up being the answer. But if the, if those guys aren't the answer, I don't know how you can possibly think that Ian Book is. Uh, team, they, they look, they needed to fill a lot of holes. I don't think taking a third-string quarterback right now would make the most sense. Then, um, I mean, those last two picks, those are guys that, I mean, just don't move the needle for me. So I'm with you. I think the Saints had a very poor draft. I think Turner, Werner, Turner, Werner, Adebo, that's, that kind of has a nice like, ring to it. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't love the value of any of them. I think they can all be solid players. So I'm going to be slightly more optimistic than you with a C minus, but that brings into the question of what sounds better, a C minus or a D plus, because when you have the plus, it sounds nicer, but it's a lower, the minus, like a C minus sounds very gross. Like the letter C minus <laughs> looks very gross. So that, I mean, that's like, <laughs> totally different question and is not at all applicable or matters but i have the saints at a c minus uh then you got the tampa bay buccaneers defending champs they took washington edge rusher joe tryon uh florida quarterback kyle trask notre dame tackle robert hainsey north texas wide receiver jalen darden auburn linebacker kj Britt. BYU cornerback Chris Wilcox and Houston linebacker Grant Stewart at Mr. Irrelevant. So I am not so sure that Joe Tyron was the right pick. I, I don't think that he was like a bad talent or anything. I just, I don't think they really should have focused on linebacker because they have a pretty consensus best linebacker core in the league. I think if you wanted to draft some project guy late day two or day three, I would have been fine with that. Just using a first round player on a, probably your strongest position is just not a move I'm a fan of. Um, earlier, you talked about not liking a day two quarterback, which I, I kind of see. I like this Kyle Trust pick. I would have liked it a lot more if their first round pick was better because that, that day one pick gives you a chance to fill a legitimate hole. And granted the bucks don't really have very many legitimate holes considering coming off of a super bowl win and retaining almost the entire team. There's not really a lot you have to improve on, but had, had they made a better selection there, I would have really enjoyed this Kyle Trask pick. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that I would say, where you could sit them behind the goat for a year or two. There's not a lot that I would not have the confidence in that they would end up being a starter at some point. So I think give Kyle Trask that time to develop. I, I think that's kind of a high risk, high reward pick. I don't know if round two was the move to do that, but I, I don't hate that pick as much as most probably would. I think they could have used a little bit more improvement at defensive back, but all in all, they did a good job of going with the best player available, considering that's kind of what their strategy needed to be with how few holes they have. 
Uh, I'm going to grade this draft at a B. Nothing above and beyond, but nothing that really showed me, like, wow, that was not a good pick. So for me, I actually, I didn't mind the pick of Joe Tryon in the first round. The thing that you kind of said later is that they really don't have any true holes. And I think Tryon's the kind of guy that he opted out of the season. That's the deal with a lot of these guys. We really haven't seen him play in over a year. Uh, I think he could have been taken in the top half of the first round. If he played that season, I think he, if he had that tape, that's where he could have been. He can be kind of that heir to Jason Pierre Paul, you know, guys aging out there next to Shaq Barrett. Then I understand the draw of the potential heir to Tom Brady, but I don't know if the value of a second round quarterback is just there to excite me when you can find an instant contributor to the title defense. Like we, you know, like we keep saying that they don't have massive holes, but there's always someone that you at pick number 64 in that second round, you can find a guy that can be a contributor. Kyle Trask will not be a contributor. Uh, I think Kyle Trask is probably like a tier below some of the other day two quarterbacks taken, but I still would have went a different route. Then from there, uh, Robert Hainsey is not going to get a lot of playing time really, but that's also more so, I think, a testament to the strength of Tampa Bay's offensive line. I like Jalen Darden. I think he small speedster kind of guy. Wide receiver wasn't necessarily a need, but like we keep saying, needs it don't really matter that much for a team like Tampa Bay. He can be kind of a gadget guy and just the kind of guy that would just weirdly has success and burns your team with Tom Brady. Then from there, those the day three picks besides him really just don't do a lot for me. I think it's a lot of special team kind of guys. So I don't know. This is not a not a sexy class. I like I don't mind the Tryon pick. I like Jalen Darden. I'll give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a C plus here. Then we're on to the final division of the NFC, that being the NFC West. Uh, we'll start off with the Arizona Cardinals, who selected Zayvon Collins, linebacker from Tulsa, Rondell Moore, wide receiver from Purdue, Marco Wilson, cornerback from Florida, uh, Victor Dimu Kaje, edge from Duke, Tay Gowan, cornerback from UCF, James Wiggins, safety from Cincinnati, and Michael Mennett, uh, offensive lineman from Penn State. So the Cardinals were a team. We see it. We saw a few teams in the class this year where they made a first round pick that I was not a fan of, but in my opinion, their draft only went up from there. Uh, Cardinals were definitely a great example of that. I did not like the Zaven Collins pick. Uh, touched on him earlier. I still think he was better than Jamin Davis, but I think both of those those picks were definitely reaches, particularly Zayvon Collins. Um, Rondale Moore was a great add to their shaky wide receiver core. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. But then when you look at that, you have um, injury-ridden A.J. Green and Andy Isabella, just not a lot of certainty in that receiving core behind probably the second-best wide receiver in the league. So I think Rondale Moore was a great add to kind of help fix that. Uh, I think in the later rounds, they got a steal in Tay Goen. As some had him as a top 10 cornerback in the class, I think that was a great value pick, getting him where they got him. All in all, the Cardinals probably didn't do a great job of taking the best player available, 
but they filled their holes well and they recognized what their issues were. And I think that's a good move for a lot of teams. You'd be surprised how little teams tend to make that move nowadays. So I have the Cardinals coming in at a B. Yeah, so the Zabin column pick, it was definitely – it's interesting. It's probably, I mean, the word I've used the most the whole time because the draft, very interesting spectacle. Um, obviously, shout out Trent Sweeney. We love Tulsa, Oklahoma here on the Red Shirt Podcast. Uh, he, he did some crazy things at Tulsa. Uh, I think his fit's going to be kind of interesting. This back-to-back year is much different player than Isaiah Simmons. This back-to-back year is where uh, the Cardinals take a – technically linebacker that's very versatile defensively we could see him either thin out a little bit to play more stand-up linebacker or make a transition to edge then you go to the second round we have rondell moore i think there's definitely a big risk there uh in terms of injury size but his speed and playmaking ability i think it's worth it to heighten that kingsbury offense they love to go for wide receiver kind of set he can fit in there. And you mentioned the uncertainty of the wide receiver room after uh, I was about to say Larry Fitzgerald uh, after DeAndre Hopkins, then uh, Marco Wilson, he's infamous for him throwing a shoe and basically throwing away Florida season against LSU, but he fills a hole. He's worth a fifth round flyer as is uh, Tay Gowan, six rounder. I like that. Wiggins, he's dealt with his injuries, average tape, but, you know, in the back end, that's a seventh-round pick. I think those are guys worth taking flyers for. Do I think the Cardinals have one of the best drafts out there? No. Do I think that they had a fairly solid draft? Yeah. So I'm with you, giving the Cardinals a B. Then we got the Los Angeles Rams, who they took uh, wide receiver Tutu Atwell, linebacker Ernest Jones, defensive tackle Bobby Brown the third, cornerback Robert Rochelle, Wide receiver, tight end, Jacob Harris. Defensive end, Ernest Brown, the fourth. Running back, Jake Funk. Wide receiver, tight end, Ben uh, Uh, And defensive end, Chris Garrett. So, obviously, the Rams didn't have a day one pick. They've Seems like they've never had a day one pick after how many first-rounders they've been trading for guys like Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford. Um, That was the case again this year. Their first pick was wide receiver Tutu Atwell. And I think it was definitely a reach. He was, he was a guy who I consider to be a day three project, but he just has too many concerns to be a second round pick. I mean, I weigh more than this guy. He, he weighs 149 pounds along with a pretty limited route tree. There's just not a lot of room for success for a guy, especially in the second round to be picked this early. Uh, the Rams in day three went very boomer bust, which is a strategy I kind of like. Lots of players with a high ceiling, but an equally low floor. One thing they definitely could have improved on was filling up the holes in their offensive line. I think that's going to be kind of a weak spot for them this season. I think their offensive line is going to be a shell of itself as it was last season. And they, they didn't address that as well as I think they should have. I have them coming in at a C plus, fairly average draft, definitely a little bit more to be desired, but not terrible. Yeah. So Tutu Atwell, I am a known Tutu Atwell fan in terms of his college production before the year, uh, college football year. I was like 
Tutu Atwell, this guy's great. He's great. And you know what? Tutu Atwell, absolutely great. I wish my prediction for Louisville season went a little better. But I think at the NFL level, it's tough to really say if he was worth that second-round pick because I think if there's anywhere that he's going to go and he can be successful, it is L.A. He can be that hard-to-stop gadget guy in the McVay offense or as his, you know, being 149 pounds, which I think we'll see him closer to 160. I think he tried to thin out a little bit to increase that 40 time. Uh, but either way, like, that's that's ridiculously small. Uh, so that's definitely – that's a big risk to be had, especially in the second round. You know, when you trade away your first-round picks, that second-round pick, your first pick, that's – you're going to have to get really good value out of that for the draft to continually be worth it. From there, it's, I mean, a lot of a lot of randomness in terms of some boomer bust guys, like you were kind of saying. Jones, he could be a starter at linebacker. Brown, uh, I suppose I should spe- specify Brown of the third. It could be he's going to mix in a defensive tackle. I like Robert Rochelle. He had some success at a lower school in central Arkansas. I think he could definitely rotate in at quarterback, cornerback. Jacob Harris, 6'5". He's not really much of a football player. I believe he was more of a soccer player but he can fit in possibly as a big wide receiver, tight end. That Those guys, I kind of trust Sean McVay to be able to get yeah. the most out of. That's trusting his uh, offensive prowess. Then you look at day, uh, you know, the end of day three, like I don't really see anything from Funk or uh, Garrett, any of those guys. It's a weird draft. It's one of those situations where I really trust Sean McVay. I think he's a very good coach. coach I think he's had some great coaches around him. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt in most cases. I'm going to give them a B minus, and this is definitely an intriguing draft class to look at moving forward. Then we're going to move on. Second to last, we're going to uh, Jackson's team. That is the Seattle Seahawks. Their first-round pick was taken by, I guess you would say that that would be Jamal Adams as the Jets uh, owned their first-round pick. They started off, they took Dwayne Eskridge, receiver from Western Michigan. Trey Brown, cornerback from Oklahoma, Stone Forsyth from Florida. Very brief, very easy to go over. Thank you for that, Seahawks. So I am not going to be one to include guys like Jamal Adams and Gabe. No, Jackson, I'm not. I'm not including traded for in into our into our draft class. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of Seahawks fans do that. So I'm I'm going to look at our three actual NFL draft selections for this. Um, I have the Seahawks at a C plus. I like the picks they made, but you can't have three picks and have a significant enough draft to make it higher than a fairly average to below average grade. Um, Dwayne Eskridge was our second round pick. He's an explosive wide receiver who fits our scheme really well. And I think that's a lot of the reason why we drafted him. We have a new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, who one of his main values in his offensive scheme is that there cannot be any weaknesses in terms of weapons. And so I I like the Dwayne Eskridge pick. I think we definitely should have gone for a guy like Creed Humphrey. He was he was kind of my main draft target for Seattle, assuming we didn't trade back, which Obviously, we didn't, but I, I like the Eskridge pick. I, I think that was Seattle's worst pick of the draft this year. But uh, moving on, we had fourth-rounder Trey Brown, who had all of the tools to be a first-round talent, 
besides size. This guy is not very big. 5'8", 180. Um, the, I, I think this pick has the highest ceiling out of any of our other picks. Um, Pete Carroll came out and said that one of our guys, DJ Reed, who came up to become a starting cornerback this year, he's also pretty undersized, but he, against all odds, he was one of probably our best cornerback on the year. Um, and Pete Carroll said DJ Reed really opened his eyes to what a small undersized cornerback can really do on the outside. So I like this pick, but I think our best pick definitely came from sixth rounder Stone Forsythe, who comes in at a whopping 6'9", 309 pounds. He was a guy most guys had or most teams had at second to fourth round talent. But for some reason he fell. I still have not seen a very great reason as to why he fell, because from what I can tell, there's not really character issues going on there. Uh, this is definitely the Seahawks' best pick, in my opinion. And to reiterate, keeping him at a C plus, good picks, but three picks is not significant enough to raise him above that. Yeah, so for me, I, I said thank you to the Seahawks in terms of both for uh, the first round pick, goodbye Jamal Adams, as well as for keeping this one brief, let, let this go by faster. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver wasn't necessarily the top need, but you know, I think Eskridge can slot in very well at wide receiver three, uh, make legitimate plays. So I'm a fan of that pick. And I think I don't, I don't want to go over these too much more than what you've already said. Cause I think you understand the Seahawks personnel more. I'm just going to give my brief, you know, understanding of it. Trey Brown, like you said, smaller cornerback, but I think he can fit in well for nickel sets and in the slot. And you said it, I mean, Stone Forsyth, I'm not sure if he's going to become a great NFL starter, but the guy he's at, I, I saw him at 6'8", 310. I, that kind of guy, sixth round pick, it's worth a shot. Hard, it's hard for them to have much better of a grade than I have them in a B minus. I think when you make three picks, it's tough for them, you know, to give them a phenomenal grade. But ultimately, I'm, I like all three of their picks. Are they all home run picks? Not necessarily. But for the three picks they had, I think they did a fairly good job. So I have them in a B minus. And then lastly, we have the San Francisco 49ers, who they uh, really had the first true first true pick in the draft in the sense that we didn't know who was going there. That was quarterback Trey Lance, North Dakota State. They took guard Aaron Banks from Notre Dame, running back Trey Sermon from Ohio State, cornerback Ambry Thomas from Michigan, offensive lineman Jalen Moore from Western Michigan. Uh, defensive back Diomodore Lenore uh, from Oregon, safety Talanoa Hufanga from USC, and running back Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette. So, as you said, they picked Trey Lance at three. I cannot stress this enough. This should have been Justin Fields. Not only did he fit better, but I think he's a more proven and better prospect. I, I think there's really no to why Justin passed on Trey Lenslier, but not he's he's not close enough to I, I don't think it's subjective enough that he was better than Justin Fields there. Uh, better than Matt I really wish they would have taken as kind of the division rival with the Niners, but um, Lance, 
Ice is the most replaceable position on the field, and they clearly took a different, different approach after drafting two running backs, including Trey Sermon in the third, and signing Wayne Gallman this offseason, along with retaining um, starting running back Raheem Mostert. Uh, they, they've always been a team who likes to have running back depth, but I think a lot of the running game depends on other things like scheme and does the actual running back themselves. I'm a big fan of that. I think Aaron Dick to help fill their interior O-line hole. Um, I'm a fan of that pick. I think one critique is that they did not address cornerback as well as they should have with the departure of Richard Sherman. Um, they, they just have that's, – that's where the, the hole is, and I don't think they addressed that as well as they should have. Uh, in the end, I have met a B plus, but uh, definitely could have been – definitely could have been an A or A plus with the changing of just a few picks. Yeah, so I think it is probably my Wi-Fi. You, you were cutting in and out for a little bit, but I think we got the gist of it. Uh, for me, at three, I'm a big fan of Trey Lance. I think you really, in my opinion, you, you couldn't have gone wrong with him or Fields. I think Fields is probably closer to pro-ready, uh, could be the quote-unquote safer pick. But I think the upside of Trey Lance, he's ridiculously athletic, super fast, has just shown himself – to be an absolute stud on the ground and throwing. Same things that you could be said about Justin Fields, but I have no gripes with that pick. I think Trey Lance is going to be a superstar, I think, giving. Ultimately, you probably don't want to hear this because you're in their division, but as a general and objective football fan, I think it's going to be very fun to eventually see a mobile quarterback in that Kyle Shanahan scheme. Uh, From there... Aaron Banks, not the best value value necessarily who I'd take where they were at 48, but I think he was, he, he's a solid player. Moving up to take Trey Sermon, I wasn't a fan of that pick necessarily. I don't think he's a bad player, just bad value to be moving up there for him. Uh, Ambry Thomas, meh, he's kind of that guy that has some of the tools, but you're really banking on the coaching to develop him into a great player, which I think San Francisco, if anywhere's going to do it, they can do it. Uh, but it's just so-so. Then towards the back end, I actually loved their last two picks. I'm a big fan of Talanoa Hufanga, uh, playmaker at USC. We'll see how exactly it translates to the NFL, but the guy makes plays. And then uh, Elijah Mitchell, this pick I think would be a lot more appreciated had they not taken Trey Sermon in the third. But he's just super versatile, uh, can get it done on the ground with his hands. He's just very explosive, and I think that value taken in the sixth round, he more so fits the, like, uh, mold of that Shanahan style running back that I think would be really good value in the sixth round, especially w- had they not taken Trey Sermon. So I have the 49ers at a flat B. I think they did some good things. I think they could have went some other way on things, but overall pretty solid. And it's another case kind of similar to the Rams where some of the crush- questionable picks to me, I trust their coaching staff to iron out. So that's just going to about conclude this episode, we went through every single NFC team, assigned them a grade. Uh, Jackson, do you have any anything else you care to add? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like we did a great good job being thorough. I think that's why I definitely wanted to do this in two parts. I think it really allows us to dive deep into this and really 
go talk about really almost every player that was drafted in each conference. I think that's, that's cool. Uh, and then before I get to my shameless plugs, do you have any shameless plugs for yourself? Um, at Jackson Powers underscore on Instagram. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> as always, you're listening to the podcast. That's the Redshirt Podcast on Spotify. Then there's the blog, the redshirt.blog or the redshirt.wixsite.com. Uh, the Twitter at the Redshirt Blog. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of tweeting during the draft. You'll see me tweet about the Padres games a lot, all that jazz. And all that can be found, I believe it's in my the Instagram bio, at the dot red shirt, uh, the link tree that has all of these links that I probably haven't put in the Twitter bio yet. But that has all the links to everything. And, yeah, that's just gonna con- just about going to conclude this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Jackson, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sounds good.